so dynamic, so magnetic, so effervescent, so full of energy and vitality. Is it Herman? No. Is it Sherman? No. Is it Eddie? Is it Freddie? Oh, no, no, no. Is it Hart? Is it Schaffner? Is it Marks, perhaps? Oh, you'll never, never guess it. Don't snap your cap. Here's just Miss Judy Garland. Here's the little gal who's earned a number one priority in your pinup department, both in your barracks wall and in your heart, Judy Garland. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart strings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. Hey, Judy fans, this is Mindy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next up in our series featuring Judy Garland is her appearance on Hollywood Fights Back. This aired October 26, 1947. It was in direct response to the House Un-American Activities Committee. This was the investigative committee of the United States House of Representatives. They were holding hearings of prominent behind-the-scenes Hollywood players trying to flush out the communists and... There's accusations of communist propaganda in the movies. This created the Hollywood 10 or the Hollywood blacklist. This is where all of this started. And what I found really interesting was these people were fined and they were thrown in jail, I believe. I believe they were at least sentenced to jail. I'm not sure if they actually had to go. Not because they openly admitted under oath to being members of the Communist Party in America. Many of them did. Many of them were, even if they didn't admit it. That wasn't the issue. They were thrown in jail for not cooperating with Congress because they refused to name names. They refused to talk about things that were a part of their personal life or their political beliefs. They basically refused to rat out, quote unquote, their friends. It all became this very dark, murky, paranoid, interesting, infinitely interesting to me time in pop culture. It affected hundreds of careers eventually. Many, many, many more people were blacklisted. It also was just that that bridge, that time between the end of World War II and then the Cold War and all of that paranoia of communism and the spread of communism. There was so much going on in the American psyche that kind of fueled this. And the resistance that a lot of these people showed at great personal cost to them I may not agree with their political views, but I admire the fact that they were standing up for their rights. And so what we have here in Hollywood Fights Back is nothing I've really heard from Judy Carlin or for really any of these shows I've listened to. Some can actually be a bit political or they can be, you know, not necessarily for entertainment purposes. This is straight up, you have dozens of iconic, I can't even start to list them, people in Hollywood, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, they come on and they share their, they're part of this narrative of what was constructed to basically be a call for the Bill of Rights to be upheld, a call for freedom of speech, to educate people that communism, that they didn't really address it directly as communism being bad, But it was more of if people aren't allowed to assimilate the way that they choose because we disagree with the way they believe, where does it stop? It's a very interesting program. I I found a lot of parallels with discussions that are had in the current day. 
I was frankly just surprised. I was really surprised that this is the route they went. This is not Judy Garland singing, being cute. This is Judy Garland mad. And it's so almost inspiring. But then in a way, some of the things that they say, ham-fisted, meant to scare. So that gets a little annoying, kind of overkill. But overall, this this is fascinating to me. Hopefully it is to you too, because I... I really wasn't sure what to expect here. I thought maybe it might have been a fundraiser. I, I wasn't really sure, but I did not expect this. So very unique program starting for you in a matter of seconds from the murky world of communist witch hunts all the way from October 26, 1947. This is Judy Garland in Hollywood Fights Back. Hollywood Fights This is Charles Boying. The reason why parts of this program are transcribed is that 14 of the 50 stars you are about to hear are at this moment in a special plane flying to Washington to carry on in person the fight for our rights as American citizens. If it weren't for studio commitments, all of us here today and dozens more would be in the air as well as on it. Judy Garland. Have you been to a movie this week? You're going to a movie tonight? Maybe tomorrow? Are there any newspapers lying on the floor? Any magazines on your table? Any books on your shelves? It's always been your right to read or see anything you wanted to. But now it seems to be getting kind of complicated. For the past week in Washington, the House Committee on Un-American Activities has been investigating the film industry. Now, I have never been a member of any political organization, but I've been following this investigation, and I don't like it. There are a lot of stars here to speak to you. We're show business, yes, but we're also American citizens. It's one thing if someone says we're not good actors. That hurts, but we can take that. It's something else again to say we're not good Americans. We resent that. This is Gene Kelly. The House Un-American Committee has called out on the carpet some of the people who have been making your favorite movies. Did you happen to see The Best Years of Our Lives? The picture that won seven Academy Awards? Did you enjoy it? Well, the producer of that film, Samuel Goldwyn, has been subpoenaed. I understand supporters of the Un-American Committee didn't like that film. Did you like it? Or were you subverted by it? Did it make you un-American? Did you come out of the movie with a desire to overthrow the government? This is Lauren Bacall. Have you seen Crossfire yet? Good picture. Against religious discrimination. One of the biggest hits in years. The American people have awarded it four stars. But the Un-American Committee gave the men who made it three subpoenas. This is Joe Cotton. How often do you go to the movies? Once a week? Chances are you've probably seen The Farmer's Daughter or The Jolson Story or 
pride of the Marines. And do you remember Objective Burma, Kitty Foyle, How Green Was My Valley, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, and such great classics as All Quiet on the Western Front? Actors, directors, writers, and producers who gave you those pictures have been attacked and smeared as un-American for putting subversive propaganda into their pictures. This is Peter Lawrence. I hope you know what this amounts to. It amounts to this. If you liked any of the pictures made by any of these accused artists, then you're not supposed to know what is un-American and what is not. See, that's like saying you're stupid. Well, we don't think you are. This is June Havoc. You know, we're not experts on politics. We've been taking American freedom for granted and not worrying about somebody taking it away from us. So we've had to ask questions to get the facts. Who is judging us? Who makes charges about our pictures degrading America? Who is the House Committee on Un-American Activities? This is John Houston. The House Committee, we found out, has been in existence for about nine years. It has spent millions of dollars of taxpayers' money investigating what it calls subversive activities. The idea was that the committee would come up with legislation to counteract anything subversive. Well, in nine years, it has proposed exactly one piece of legislation, and that was rejected as unconstitutional, along with a scathing denunciation by the United States Supreme Court. This is Danny Kaye. We found out that the committee has been making friends and enemies during all these years. Here are some of the people who didn't like it. As far back as 1938, when the committee began, Franklin D. Roosevelt saw what it was up to. He said, quote, Most fair-minded Americans hope that the committee will abandon the practice of merely providing a forum to those who, for political purposes or otherwise, seek headlines which they could not otherwise obtain, unquote. This is Marsha Hunt. Of course, there are some of us who didn't happen to vote for Roosevelt. Some of us took the other side and voted for Wilkie. But Mr. Wilkie had something to say about the committee, too. He said, quote, The committee uses methods that undermine the democratic process. They ruin reputations by publicity, inference, and innuendo, while denying the protection of counsel, unquote. Well, that was in 1940. And apparently they haven't changed since then. They certainly haven't changed. This is Walter Wanger. A few days ago, there was an editorial in the New York Times. It said, quote, There is an obvious danger that the present investigation, as it is now being conducted, may succeed in identifying as communist any element of criticism or protest in the films against any aspect of American political, social, or economic life. We do not believe that the committee is conducting a fair investigation. We think the course on which it has embarked threatens to lead to greater dangers than those with which it is presently concerned. End quote. This from the New York Times. This is Cornell Wilde. Another man who doesn't like the committee is Scripps Howard columnist and Pulitzer Prize winner Thomas L. Stokes. Last week he said that the investigation had the ring of hypocrisy. He added, quote, The Inquisition becomes the concern of everybody who believes in freedom of expression, in writing, and the arts. Moreover, the fright technique has been chosen for this job. It does all seem confused and quite strange, 
to be happening here. Unquote. This is Melvin Douglas. During three sessions, even members of Congress have denounced the committee. Representative Adolph Sabbath, chairman of the House Rules Committee, said, quote, In all my congressional experience of 32 years, I know of no committee so broadly condemned because of its conduct by people in all stages of life and from all parts of the nation, unquote. This is Richard Conte. It wouldn't be fair just to quote the people who do not like the committee. We believe in free speech and in presenting both sides of the question. So we looked up some of the committee's real friends. Here they are. William Dudley Pelly said, quote, I founded the Silver Legion to propagandize the same principles that the committee are now engaged in prosecuting, unquote. Of the committee chairman, Pelly said, quote, Congressman Thomas is a great American patriot, unquote. And who is this William Dudley Pelly? He organized a Nazi-like gang called the Silver Shirts. This is Evelyn Keyes. James Colescott said, quote, the Un-American Committee program so closely parallels the program of the Klan that there is no distinguishable difference between them, unquote. And who is James Colescott? The imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. This is Bert Lancaster. Gerald L. K. Smith says, and I quote, you have seen the newspaper accounts of the plan to investigate the traitors of Hollywood who are attempting to use the great film industry to undermine our American government. Be sure to write a letter to Congressman John Rankin congratulating him and his committee, unquote. Who is Gerald L. K. Smith? He is a rabble-rouser, a professional anti-Semite, and one-time speaker for the German-American Bund. This is Paul Henry. Another friend of the committee said, I quote, I have the highest respect for the committee and sympathize with its program, unquote. This was said by Sylvester Virek, convicted Nazi agent now in jail. And here is another quote. I'm in favor of the committee to be appointed again and wish them to get more money. That was said by Fritz Kuhn, German-American boat leader who was later jailed and deported. This is William Holden. That's quite a bunch of friends. We don't envy the committee, their friends. Well, who's running the committee? Its chairman is J. Parnell Thomas of New Jersey. And the senior minority party member is John Rankin of Mississippi. We're not going to attack the political records of Chairman Thomas or Mr. Rankin or any other member of the committee. They made their records by their votes. And we respect their right to vote any way they please. This is Robert Ryan. What we are going to tell you about is how they conduct these un-American hearings of theirs. President Roosevelt called the un-American committee a sordid procedure, and that describes it pretty accurately. Decent people dragged through the mud of insinuation and slander. The testimony of crackpots and subversives accepted and given out to the press as if it were the gospel truth. Reputations ruined and people hounded out of their jobs. This is Florence Eldridge. Here are some names that have been dragged into these hearings. Mr. Justice Murphy of the Supreme Court, Mrs. Franklin D. Roosevelt, Ambassador Joseph E. Davies, William Allen White, Dean Acheson, college presidents, judges, writers, historians, ministers, and priests. The moving picture people who are being slandered today are in pretty good company. This is Myrna Loy. 
Let's be clear about one thing. Congress has a right to investigate, to make laws. But we question the right of any official to abuse citizens in order to make headlines. We question the right of Congress to ask any man what he thinks on political issues. We believe that the First Amendment forbids any legislation in the very field in which this committee is acting. We think a lot of our freedom. We've become accustomed to it. But it was a brand new idea when Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and Benjamin Franklin wrote it into our Constitution. The other idea, the Un-American Committee's idea, is as old as history. This is Robert Young. The uh, Un-American Committee is not a new idea. It goes back for centuries. There was a similar committee on un-Italian activities which subpoenaed Galileo and a committee on un-French activities which subpoenaed Joan of Arc and a committee on un-New England activities 300 years ago which burned old women in a witch hunt at Salem and hounded Roger Williams for saying, I plead the cause of truth and innocence against the bloody doctrine of persecution for cause of conscience. Out of 2,000 years of men fighting and dying to think free came an idea of justice, came a document called the Bill of Rights. This is Lucille Ball. All of us agree that the Constitution of the United States must be defended. But the way to do this is not by shutting up the man you disagree with, you must fight for his right to speak and be heard. All civil liberties go hand in hand. And when one goes, the others are weakened. Just as the collapse of one pillar in a house would endanger the whole structure. Do you remember your school teacher reading these words? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridge the freedom of speech or of the press. Let me repeat those words and listen carefully. Think about these words, which are the cornerstone of your American freedom. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridge the freedom of speech or of the press. This is Van Heflin. You have just heard Article 1 of your Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is part of a long heritage of justice, a heritage which gives you the right to speak your mind without fear, which gives an accused man the right to answer his accusers, the right to be protected from slander and misstatements of fact. In no court in this land is action taken on the basis of hearsay or personal opinion. Now let Henry Morgan and Keenan Wynn give you some examples of the kind of hearsay an opinion that in Washington today is being presented as testimony, written into the official records and reprinted in the newspapers. Now get this. You acted like a communist, but I couldn't prove he wasn't. Uh, I remember hearing some pinko mouthings, but uh, I can't recall just what. I uh, turned down several communistic scripts, but uh, can't remember any of them. Uh, I couldn't give you any specific examples. I don't know for sure, personally, but uh, I heard from a reliable source that... I don't have any proof, but I can tell from the way he acts. I was a guest at his house for dinner, and I overheard someone say... I couldn't give you any specific example. Everyone knows that. I think... I guess... 
The danger is that an actor, writer, or director can subvert a role by a look or an inflection of the voice. And turn it into communistic propaganda. This is Humphrey Bogart. Is democracy so feeble that it can be subverted merely by a look or a line, an inflection, a gesture? There was an editorial in the New York Herald Tribune which says it perfectly, and I quote, If the moving pictures are undermining the American form of government and menacing it by their content, it might become the duty of Congress to ferret out the responsible persons. But clearly this is not the case. Not even the committee's own witnesses are willing to make so fantastic a charge. And since no danger exists, the beliefs of men and women who write for the screen are, like the beliefs of any ordinary men and women, nobody's business but their own. As the Bill of Rights mentions, neither Mr. Thomas or the Congress in which he sits is empowered to dictate what Americans shall think. This is John Beale. There's not a court in the land where even a man suspected of murder cannot have his attorney rise to say, I object. And yet in the Un-American Committee hearings room in Washington, the lawyer who said, I object, was forcibly removed from the hearing. This is Edward G. Robinson. It has been broadly suggested that Hollywood pictures are un-American when they make a villain of a landlord, a banker, or a man with a fancy vest. Well, long before people were being slandered by being called communists... William S. Hart was galloping across a movie screen like a ball of fire to pay off the mortgage on the old homestead. And the villain was the town banker, or a reasonable facsimile, the old scoundrel. By this definition, East Lynn was subversive propaganda. And the American kids who cheered all that hard riding in the sixth reel were wickedly undermined. And they all grew up to be criminals, anarchists, and overthrowers of the government by force. Bang, bang! This is Paulette Goddard. There's not a court in America which will admit questions that put words or opinions into the mouths of witnesses or that indicate exactly what answer is wanted. Yet members of this un-American committee have repeatedly done this in the examination of witnesses. Time after time, they've asked questions which began, Is this what you mean to say? Or, Does this sum up your feelings? Or... In other words, would you say that, in spite of this handy technique of putting words into the mouths of witnesses, to this day, no one has been able to point to any character, any scene, or any line from any picture which can be understood to advocate the overthrow of our government? This is Norman Cohen. Whenever an investigator in this country challenges a man's right to think his own thoughts, he is discrediting every fighting veteran of World War II. For among other things, that war was fought to get rid of fear and intimidation. Here now is one of the famous veterans of that war, America's most decorated soldier, Audie Murphy. You know, during the war, every guy in uniform dreamed of the day when he could stop squeezing triggers and come home. He gets to fed up on fighting that you never want to do it again. There's one kind of fighting that has to go on always. You can't ever take a furlough from the fight to preserve human liberty. I think the methods used by the Thomas Rankin Committee are a challenge to those liberties. And I think we should use every fair and constitutional means to fight those methods. This is William Wyler. I'm a movie director, and I'm convinced I wouldn't be allowed today to make the best years of our lives as it was made a year ago. 
That is directly the result of the activities of the Un-American Activities Committee. They are making decent people afraid to express their opinions. They are creating fear in Hollywood. Fear will result in self-censorship. Self-censorship will paralyze the screen. And in the last analysis, you will suffer. You will be deprived of entertainment which stimulates you. And you will be given a diet of pictures which conform to some people's arbitrary standards of entertainment and Americanism. I hope to direct many more pictures like the best years of our lives. That's why I'm here today. This is Frederick March. <clears throat> Who do you think they're really after? Who's next? Is it your minister? Who will be told what he can say in his pulpit? Is it your children's school teacher? Who will be told what she can say in the classroom? Is it your children themselves? It is you. You will have to look around nervously before you say what's on your mind. Who are they after? They're after more than Hollywood. This reaches into every American town and city. We take you now to New York. This is John Garfield. There is no guarantee that the committee will stop with the movies. Already the American theater has been attacked. Already a witness friendly to the committee has assured us that 44% of the plays on Broadway in the last 10 years have been subversive. That's news to Broadway and to the millions of playgoers who have seen these plays. Once they get the movies in Broadway throttled, how long will it be before the committee goes to work on the freedom of the air? How long will it be before we're told what we can and cannot say into a radio microphone? If you make a pitch on a nationwide network for the underdog, will they call you subversive? Will we have to think Mr. Rankin's way to get into the elevator at Radio City? Are they going to scare us into silence? If this committee gets a green light from the American people now, will it be possible to make a broadcast like this a year from today? Now, this is Dean Taylor. You know, it seems as if some people were bent on setting fire to Hollywood celluloid. You know how easy it is for a fire to spread to the lines of a Broadway play, and after that to books and magazines, until we have the biggest blaze of censorship you ever saw. The worst thing about a fire like that, it's so hard to stop it. It can even invade the laboratories of our scientists. This is Dr. Harlow Shapley of Harvard College Observatory. I should like to read to you what the Supreme Court of the United States had to say about all this. If there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act their feet therein. Now, unless we fight any attempt to weaken that constitutional right, science will find it more difficult to bring peace and truth to the world. This is Artie Shaw warning you of a crime wave that has sprung up in America, the crime of disagreement. It seems if you disagree with certain people on certain matters, you can get your name on a secret file and wind up facing an investigating committee. This crime, disagreement, is no new thing. Among others, Hitler and Mussolini used it. Is it asking too much of us to learn a few things from the tragic lessons of the past 20 years? Can it be that the lashing of whips and the screamings of citizens have left no impression on us? Mr. Arthur Garfield Hayes, the eminent attorney and director of the American Civil Liberties Union, has his point of view to present. This is Arthur Garfield Hayes. This exhibition in Washington is ludicrous but understandable. I don't think Thomas, Rankin, and others of the committee are communists, 
Although they build up the Communist Party with a vast publicity, I don't think they are fascists, though they use the Hitler and Mussolini technique of stirring up a red scare and would suppress liberty in order to save us from ourselves. They may not be communists or fascists, but they are dangerous men, men afraid of freedom and lacking faith in the intelligence of the American people. And now for a word from our nation's capital. This is Senator Albert D. Thomas of Utah. I was for a long time a teacher of the Constitution. To me, the Constitution of the United States is a sacred document. The rights and privileges it guarantees are sacred and label as unholy. Any methods pursued by anyone in trying to establish arbitrary values of what some call Americanism. If there be men guilty of subversive activity, let the evidence be presented and their guilt duly established. But at all costs, we must avoid persecution in the name of investigation. This is Senator Harvey Kilgore of West Virginia. I'd like to say a word about congressional investigations. I've had a hand in one or two myself, and I know how they work. There are lots of ways of running the show. You can ask questions because you want answers, or you can ask questions because you don't want answers. You can walk into the hearing with a bucket of whitewash or a barrel of red paint. You can call a man any name and accuse him of anything without being sued for libel and without fear of him answering back. Think of that when you read the papers these days. Remember, it's easy to splash red paint on someone, and it's pretty tough to wipe it off. This is Archibald McLeish. No issue was ever clearer than the issue the Thomas Committee has tossed into the faces of the American people. The most American of all American rights is the right of any man to think as he pleases and to say what he thinks. That right is protected against congressional interference by the American Constitution. The question before the country is, can a committee of Congress do indirectly, by inquisition into a man's beliefs, what the Constitution forbids Congress to do directly? And if it can, what is left of the Constitution and the freedom it protects? We return you now to New York to Senator Claude Pepper of Florida. This is Senator Claude Pepper of Florida. Today, some men in America are trying to rewrite our Pledge of Allegiance. Instead of having it end with liberty and justice for all, they want it to end with liberty and justice for some. That is not the American principle. Let us forever keep liberty and justice for all. And now this program returns to Hollywood, where you will hear the voice of my colleague, Senator Glenn Taylor of Idaho. This is Senator Glenn Taylor. I'm from Idaho. The folks from my state don't like anyone to put fences around our thinking. I'm climbing on a horse this afternoon, and I'm going to ride. I want to get the attention of the people. I know that the penalty for doing your own thinking nowadays is to be labeled red, but I think it's time for somebody to speak up for peace. And while I'm doing that, I intend to battle this un-American committee to a standstill. Americans have always been able to speak out free and easy, whether it's on celluloid or on your own front porch. As a United States senator, I want to see that it stays that way. Judy Garland again. Okay, there it is. We've heard from Hollywood, New York, and Washington. Now it's time to hear from you. If you agree with us, if you feel there is something going on here that would make Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, 
Franklin Roosevelt and Wendell Wilkie fighting mad. Please do something about it. This investigation, this investigation hit us in show business pretty close to home. Now, before every free conscience in America is subpoenaed, please speak up. Say your piece. Write your congressman a letter. Airmail special. Let Congress know what you think of its un-American committee. Tell them how much you resent the way Mr. Thomas is kicking the living daylights out of the Bill of Rights. I ask you, when they put words in concentration camps, how long will it be before they put men there, too? This is Vincent Price. We didn't have time in a single half hour to bring you every Hollywood star who shares our views. There are many more, including John Payne, Ava Gardner, Bill Ice, Gene Kelly, Geraldine Brooks, Ellen Drew, Johnny Green, Frank Sinatra, Henry Fonda, Paul Draper, Howard DeSilva, Larry Adler, Eddie Cantor, Catherine Hepburn, Benny Goodman, Rita Hayworth, Canada Lee, Margot, Gregory Peck, and many more than we have time to mention. We want to add your name to this list. We want you to join this fight. There is one more thing that should be made clear. The Committee for the First Amendment sponsored this program, and it was paid for by the people you heard speak, as was the chartered airplane now carrying many of them to Washington, where they will appear in protest in the nation's capital. We are not a political organization, and we campaign for no political party, but only for honesty, fairness, and the accepted rights of any American citizen. <laughs> 